This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is like a clay character. You can do anything with it. Let's say I, I have this animation and if something happens, just make it over the top. That's important. Needs timing because if you do it a lot, then it gets annoying. So how do you how do you find the balance between funny and annoying? What I like about it is that I absolutely have no clue ever. Absolutely never. I never know what's coming next. I can't really guess three seconds ahead in anything you've ever made. That was my first time getting a team and working on a project. It was messy. So, Senor Pelo, what is your fursona? No, no, no. No, fam, no. I don't have a fursona. Hell no. <laughs> I, I know I come from fucking Diverna, but hell no. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. I am Kevin Lieber. It is TCU night, Wednesday night, 6 p.m., Eastern. We are live on Discord with our patrons in the episode chat, our $2 tots, our infantry, our dumpster crew, our amazing baby gang. We're all here and Matt and I are coming to you through our delectable electro voice RE20s. That's right. I was going to switch to the RE320 just uh, to test that one out and see if it sounded any different. But honestly, I like this one so much that I wanted to go another week uh, with the RE20. Uh, John Swan, friend of the show, and uh, he was he was trending number one on Twitter yesterday um, for, for unrelated things. John got his microphones too, uh, I think today. So I look forward to hearing him pop the RE20 in. Uh, it's been, it's really been excellent. So thank you again to uh, Electro Voice for letting us sample these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, If anybody is listening and they want to join us every Wednesday, um, please do that. It's open to everybody. It's free. If you want to chat, you do have to become a patron. Just go to patreon.com slash the create unknown. We have an awesome, awesome guest today. Extremely, extremely excited about this. A long time coming, but it's it's finally time. Constantly requested as well. Yes. Uh, So we're here with Senor Palo. Um, On August 9th, 2021, the world will celebrate the 10th anniversary 
of the very first upload from the animator Senor Palo. Since then, his videos have received nearly 900 million views. Uh, you have to think that he'll hit that billion view mark by August 9th. If Psychic Pebbles is weed and Meat Canyon is ketamine, Senor Palo is methamphetamine injected straight into the groin. His animations are loud, occasionally nightmarish, and always manic, like the itchy and scratchy show on bath salts. His most famous series is Moki's Show, which parodies the classic Mickey Mouse and Company. And absolutely nothing is off-limits, which is why a plane full of Mokis, including a terrorist Moki, have reenacted 9-11. Palo has ripped on popular video games every major holiday and shows like The Simpsons, but one of his best videos critiques every storytime animation ever, and no significant figure in that genre was spared. This led fellow animator Ego Raptor, Aaron Hansen, to call the video hurtful, but the nearly 11 million people who have watched it overwhelmingly disagree. Palo, with a mind that seems like a circus of pure mayhem, is it even possible for you to get bored? Hell no. Hell no. I, I, I love doing any kind of stuff. Have you ever been bored? Or is this just not a thing for you? Mm, okay, okay, okay. If I am doing something that is not like from me, then I get bored. Okay. So like, so what's an example of something that could get you bored versus something that wouldn't? Okay. Actually, someone, I probably they deleted it. I don't know, but someone posted the, the U2s. Oh, there, there is there, the U2s, um, Pelo Fetus. Oh, the I, fetus. Yeah. Yeah. I was enjoying the videos, but God damn, I was so bored with the product. <laughs> really? Yeah. Cause like it cannot be as creative as you as you want uh -huh. because it has its restrictions and all that it's like the ice thing for i was finding with the ice a lot <laughs> and that uh that u2s did have a butt crack didn't it a belly button engraved belly button and butt crack yes that's right oh. did you insist on those details or did they ask <laughs> no no i added them i <laughs> the, <laughs> they, uh... they Oh, so, the, so the, the eyes of the U2s are all exactly the same, right? And that's what makes them, I guess, uh, it's like their characteristic of U2s. And that was what was annoying you. You wanted to change those? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. So imagine this. You have all the characters on like the, all, all the characters, all the YouTubers, whatever. Um, and all of them have the eyes on their, on their eyes, on their head. On, on their ass, of course. They they have it on the head. Like, it's not... They don't have volume. It's just like the little happy end or or frown. The point is, I wanted to, like, have the eyes pop out. Which, I mean, I'm happy they did it, but... Ah, damn. Yeah. Oh. No, there's definitely texture to those mm -hmm. eyes. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to add more texture, but they said, like, no, we can't because this is how we do it. And it's like, oh, oh damn it. Right. Yeah, no, it, now that we see a bunch of these here in the episode chat, a bunch of the samples of U2s, yeah, the eyes are almost always the same. So they're little X's or or that uh, that semicircle. So yeah, I suppose you wouldn't have a lot of wiggle room. Yeah, that's the thing that I want to like. I wanted to change the eyes completely, having them open a little bit, but sadly I couldn't. Uh, yeah. Wow, <laughs> they shut you down. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I wanted to ask more about about the concept of not being bored because I, I really love that as an idea uh, because I, I also do not find myself 
being bored. Uh, you know, you know, this is going to sound so ridiculous. Uh, I think the last time that I was bored was on vacation. And I know I've talked about this before that I, I just I do not like going on vacation. That that is is boring to me. Because leaving the house is boring. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because I have, yeah, I'm out of my element. I guess it's a little bit like what Palo is saying, where he was out of his element on the U2s. And yeah, mm. I feel out of my element. I, I guess when I'm out of the house and I'm like stuck in some hotel or whatever, um, and I'm abiding by whatever my surroundings are. Uh, and unable to, I guess, access the things that I want to be able to access to work on or whatever. That That is when I find myself being like, oh, I can't wait for this to be over. Yeah, I, I, I can. I can agree on that. Yeah. Matt, what about you? Can I just say that I think that, well, I have a kind of a hard line in the sand um, on boredom. I think that if if somebody gets bored, you should avoid them at all costs. Uh, <laughs> people who get bored are dangerous. Okay. You don't need them in your life at all. So not only should you not be bored, if you're bored, then you're boring. That's the issue. <laughs> There's this entire world of stuff around you. And if you can't come up with something to make your mind pop for an hour or two hours or however long you're sitting there bored, this is a you problem, not a world problem. <laughs> so fix that. The The, the closest, though, I, I did come to, to being bored was I had three days in an apartment in Tel Aviv where... Um, I, f I forget why, but, uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on, so I couldn't really go out and do anything. And the internet, uh, service was completely and totally down. And all I had were the books in this apartment, but they were all in Hebrew. And I just kept looking for what? something to read. And I found National Geographic magazines from the seventies that this artist, uh, who had the loft, uh, used them for something. So I read National Geographic for like probably... 50 hours over a three-day period i mean there's always something to do but that was that was the closest i came to, to really kind of being bored yeah i believe like if you like like you say you know there is a, a tons of stuff to do in the world you can like jump you can do whatever but when you don't know like well not not don't know more like can't do something that you like it's it's, mm -hmm. it's hard <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is an average day for you like these days? I mean, get up, take a shower and start doing whatever, whatever comes to mind. That's it. Really? Yeah. I mean, you, if you want to draw something, you draw it. If you want to just go and say stupid shit, you do it. You do it. That's it. <laughs> and and <laughs> have you had this, this life uh, since you started on YouTube for the last 10 years? Has this been your day? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I've been working. I mean, I mean, quote unquote working. <laughs> what What did you do so before YouTube? Yeah. Um, art. <laughs> oh, yeah, just drawing and doing animations. The same thing, just the same thing. <laughs> and then you transitioned over to YouTube, and and just, I, I mean, it, it sounds like you just do pretty much whatever you want to do and repeat. Yeah. <laughs> you, you say it like everybody else has <laughs> I know no one has this life the same approach and the ability no one to else do it. lives this way except you <laughs> yeah I guess how did you pull that off <laughs> everyone would like to know how did this happen <laughs> okay I, I mean the best way I can put it is is a mocky episode uh, with mocky how, how I make it is basically the character 
is is going to do something. Probably he's going to the market and he needs to get food. And that's it. That's just normal. That's so normal. That's so normal that it sounds boring. But then you start putting them a dumb, like uh, dumb stops. Let's let's call it like that. Dumb reasons to not reach his goal of going and then going back. <laughs> and it just you can add whatever, whatever is dumb. And that, that's the fun of it. It's just at, adding or making dumb stuff. <laughs> so there's really no limit. It's just because you can start with any premise and then just make it weird. And that, that means pretty much everything is on the table. Yeah. Let's say you want to jump, but you jump too high. You go in the sky. You cannot go back anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you, how did you develop Moki? I mean, there were, there are so many uh, uh, kind of shows and franchises and, and all of that that you you could have really worked with. How how'd you get on Disney? Well, first of all, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't so like. So they were you. a natural enemy. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. Okay. 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 It started with a game. I, I love the SNES games of Disney. That Mickey's Quest. Okay. And that was fine. But then they started like I, I grew up and I started seeing the the, the game they were doing and I'm like, ah, that, that's 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 bad. I don't like that. And I started making fun of them. <laughs> and then I made this character out of nowhere. Everyone doesn't doesn't it looks like Mickey. Just it's not it's not him. It's not Mickey. That's <laughs> yeah, it's definitely recognizable. Like all the all the characters in that uni- in that universe are Totally recognizable. I mean, that's the best part because if any character pops up in a video, you have this expectation of who they are and how they should behave. Uh, and it's kind of built in. Like, you don't ever have to meet anybody new. Uh, you know, it's it's always those people. And then that expectation just gets completely twisted and, <laughs> and, and turned bizarre. Yes. <laughs> well, what, where did you get the idea to make everything so over the top high energy where it's just constant like face changes and screaming and <laughs> like all of a sudden there are big teeth and then the next second you know it's just like the most ADD thing I think I've ever seen in my life and and I love it for that yeah. because you can't look away once you start watching your cartoons um, it's not even just one cartoon. Like I, I, I just sat there today and I must have watched 15 of them because there is this like trance that you go into <laughs> watching them. <laughs> it's bizarre, man. It's bizarre. You get sucked in and all of a sudden you're just kind of like in this world of nonstop uh, like input into your your ears and your eyes. And and it's it's in very much unlike like when Matt said in his intro, like sprinkling a little bit of what, like we've talked to Meat Canyon, we've had Psychic Pebbles on the podcast a couple times. Um, they do different things with their characters where they make them grotesque and stuff, and you do too. But the energy and the vibe of your cartoons is completely unlike anything else. So where did that come from? It's, it's exaggeration. I, it's, um, how Do you guys know Courage the Cowardly Dog? Yeah. 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 When he gets scared, something really absurd happens. And that's 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 the fun of it. It's you can do any it's like a clay character. You can do anything with it. And let's say I, I have this animation and if something happens, I should just make it over the top. Just as 
as dumb as you think you can make it. (laughs) (laughs) Have you done something and thought like, hey, this just isn't dumb enough? Yes. Have you have you rejected? Oh, really? So this happens constantly. Yes. This happens sometimes. Yes. Um, like and, let's let's say say you have an idea, and you try to make it dumb, but it hasn't reached that point. How do you know when you've hit that point, though? How do you know when it's dumb enough? Okay. Okay. Let's say. Okay. Okay. This this is the thing with Moki. Uh, there was one episode when. I think it's a Slenderman episode or something. Our video, I don't, I don't remember where he's he starts screaming, "Oh no!" And it just gets longer. It gets so dumber. <laughs> on a normal, on real life, you don't go, "Oh no!" With something bad happening, you scream, you get scared, you run away. If something happens that you don't like, it's like, "Ah, damn it!" Or, or you just go, "Oh no!" No, you get, you get a fucking screaming. You get a feeling. You get a feeling that you don't like it. And then, of course, you add the face, which is like, you spice it up. You spice up the motion. <laughs> so it's just like ramping up and amplifying moments to the extreme, basically. Yes. But it needs timing, though. That's 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 important. It needs timing. Because if you do it a lot, then it gets annoying. <laughs> so how do you how do you find the balance between like funny and annoying? Um, That's a good question, because... To be honest, I don't know. It's just something that happens. Uh, it's like music, you know. You have you have your rhythm, and if that rhythm goes off, then you feel weird about it. You don't like it. Mm-hmm. I guess it's yeah. the same with with comedy jokes, like anything. If you repeat that same rhythm a lot, it gets annoying. You you're waiting for the next thing. You don't want you don't want this to hear the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love that comedy has gotten to the, this point where. Being as dumb as possible is the goal. And I, I know that I've kind of <laughs> talked about this in the past, specifically like as it relates to Twitter, because my favorite people on Twitter are the people who just come up with the dumbest things imaginable. Like uh, Sven Johnson is a really funny Twitter follow. If anybody isn't following Sven Johnson, you should. You should. He has a great Twitter account uh, full of things that are super, super, super stupid, but so funny. Why do you guys think that that has been the evolution of comedy to, to, to the point where, yeah, this like smooth brain comedy is what's funny, <laughs> is what's funny to us at this point. Like, cause that, it, let me tell you, uh, it was not like that growing up, like growing up, no. uh, comedy was really structured. It was very, very, very structured, uh, whether it was like stand up comedy and you just had like your setup at and your premise set up in punchline um, or sitcoms. God, sitcoms were, were so formulaic. Sitcoms could have been written by an algorithm because they had exact, like for instance, I think you have to have three jokes per page on a sitcom script. So next time anybody's watching any sitcom, notice how no moment uh, goes without a joke. It's like every three sentences or something, a joke happens because there's just that rule that I don't know. I love Lucy invented they, that you needed three <laughs> jokes per page, but it's swung in this completely opposite direction now where it's so much less about being formulaic and structured and fitting within a box where it's, it's not smart at all. Like, like it, 
the the intelligence and the wit comes from the stupidity, which is a really weird thing to think about. Now a, a crazy scream is funny. You know, like a like a well-timed insane scream can make a video awesome. Yeah. Actually, yeah. actually, now that you bring up Twitter, there's an account that has this absurd videos on the internet. Um I think it's called 21st century or jokes or something like that the videos are absurd as hell just sounds uh, they bring a video from a vine and they add another sound that doesn't make sense it's like it's like that joke that where was that was that joke um damn it it's about a spoon it's about a big spoon it's, damn it i don't remember <laughs> so the the jokes the their videos that are mashups of like like are they like um kind of like youtube poops yeah yeah it's 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 dumb comedy and i i think i think it has to evolved because how the other comedy just it, it has gotten bad like for example you bring sitcoms we cannot compare let's say the big bang theory with golden girls mm -hmm. because the big mm -hmm. bang theory like it has references and sometimes you're not going to understand and with the Golden Girls, they have reference too, but they have their jokes too. Oh yeah, yeah. the 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 '80s sitcoms hold up really well because the joke writing is so tight. Like you could watch Cheers, and like I, I guarantee anybody listening to this podcast could pull up Cheers and laugh at that show right now. It's still really funny because the joke writing is so is so tight. But at the same time, I think <laughs> your cartoons are hysterical as well and e even though there's so there's such different forms of humor the funny parts in in your videos are constant though like they're a machine gun of uh absurd things to look at and to hear and i mean you talk about timing um how how many points in a in a video let's say a normal one is going to be about three minutes long for you how many times do you have points where timing is a thing though it seems like it would be almost constant, like when there's uh, uh, constant uh, little points where timing matters. Like when does it how, how do you break it apart when there's so many so close together? Uh, I, I was talking about like how jokes work, because it's it's all about the timing. You cannot deliver the joke too fast and you cannot deliver like way long. Hell no, that doesn't work. People get bored or people get like, oh, whoa, that's it. That, that's that's your whoa. You gotta, you gotta let them think a little bit, and then you give it to them. And is that just something that you feel like you feel? Okay, this is the moment where you know I'm gonna smash Minnie Mouse over the head with a broken <laughs> bottle. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's like I said with the music. It has its timing. I I cannot mm -hmm. explain it how. Probably, let's say if I do some experiment with seconds and count, depending on the joke. How much do I take? Then that will probably be the answer. But right now it's like, well, just do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And who were some of your influencers, uh, influences to get into this? I, I mean, I know you men mentioned Courage the Cowardly Dog. Were there other cartoons? Were there other people on YouTube doing animation or, or Newgrounds or anything? I mean, I, I don't know, to be honest, because I, I remember watching Newgrounds, um, the classic ones, but they didn't like shape the kind of comedy that I had. I, I like what they did and I laugh about it. I never made something thinking about them, you can say. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird because 
because I I never done that. I guess it's my like my friends on university or something. I remember I I have a book, an English book, where we we had the teacher and all that stuff. But what I would do is just draw horrible faces on top of the people, <laughs> the book, just horrendous faces, and and I will laugh with my friends with that shit, and yeah. that's it. That I still have the book. It's it's absurd. It's stupid. <laughs> is this an art school? Did you go to university for animation? Oh, I wish it was a graphic design school. I don't even use that shit. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was going to ask about that, about before you did any of this, like if your style had always been kind of crazy like this. Actually, I think so. Yeah, I I found some animations. I won't show them because this is just it's cringy. It's, it's bad. Um, I mean, they're on the internet, but still, I found them, and the comedy is kind of the same. It's just things that don't make sense. <laughs> uh, that is how I often feel <laughs> watching watching your cartoons. Of like, I don't know what's going on, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about it is that I absolutely have no clue ever. Absolutely never. I never know what's coming next. Like. Everything else you watch, you pretty much have a good sense of, of where it's going to be 60 seconds from any point you're at. I, I can't really guess three seconds ahead in anything you've ever made. <laughs> I guess that's the fun of it. Yeah, that's the thing. Do you script the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Do you script... Oh, do you, do you script the, the whole thing out? Like thinking of all of these... These twists and turns and, uh, you know, something gets crazy and then it's not crazy enough. So you got to make it bigger and louder and whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you do the whole thing and then uh, like like plan it all out or do you go piece by piece and then just find a, a, an ending point? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Everything is spontaneous. That's all I can say. It's all just it. little by little. I I remember <laughs> doing a stream making a mocky episode about the Team Trees video. <laughs> and and it's just it's just bad. <laughs> it's so dumb. I remember thinking, okay, Moki wants to save a tree. That's it. That's the whole goal. 
what can happen? Oh, okay. well, you add people that cut the trees. You can add fire. You add people that don't care about the environment. And then you add a little bit of a commentary about how turtles... Uh, I don't remember, but the whole turtles and throwing cups in the ocean or some shit like that. It just goes um, like that. So I just realized something. Mm-hmm. And that is that Senor Palo is like the the living embodiment of the creativity test. So if you're not familiar with this, um, I, I've read about this years ago. There's this very common test that um, is used to determine creativity uh, in a person. And, and, and also- I don't think like, I know this. Oh, okay. Uh, there, there are a few of them and I can't remember. I can only remember one of them. Uh, but it was a study that was trying to uh, understand creativity, you know, cross-culturally and and just see if this was even a measurable phenomena, you know, you know, uh, amongst humans. Anyway, one of the tests is to give a person an object like a like, say, a brick and just say, hey, here is a brick. Come up with as many things as you can to do with this brick and most people can only come up with like a couple of things. They'll be like, uh, build a house and uh, hit somebody over the head. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> people like Halo will blast off like a hundred things that, you know, the brick can be an airplane. It can be a boat. It can be, you know, a, a giant cigar for a wall. Yeah. It could be. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, he's like, yes, yes, this is this is how my brain works. Uh and this is how uh they determine uh one of the ways that that that, that psychologists will determine uh what's considered like high C creativity or, or creative people and uh, Palo's creative process of making these animations is essentially an exercise in hey, here's Moki and a tree. Now what? <laughs> then you just go. Yes, ex- yes, exactly. It's like it's like okay, you said the whole brick thing. Oh, you said to hit someone. Well, you can use the brick or a bunch of bricks to make a bigger brick to hit that person. That's how it works. It's it's just anything goes. That's how it is. It's anything goes. <laughs> this is really cool. So so Tom, who is always quick with the links in the episode chat, has has put a couple in. One is the Torrance tests of creative thinking. Another one is the alternative uses test. And this is is what Kevin has described. There's there's a brick in the image for it. And uh, let's see, there are four subcategories. Fluency, the number of alternative uses you can think of. Originality, how unusual those uses are. Flexibility, the range of ideas in different domains and categories. And elaboration the level of detail and development of the idea when you think about uh when you think about videos like like the the palo animations here they all really seem to play with all four of those categories like this is really a a neat kind of scientific way to look at something that that seems insane Mm, i'm just seeing it that way yeah yeah that as soon as you were talking about your process that's why i thought of this test so i'm like okay <laughs> you are basically playing that game over and over again through the form of animation and one thing that we haven't talked about yet is spooky month which is not a, <laughs> it's not really a parody it's not 
you know, making fun of the Simpsons or, or Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck um, <laughs> or, or JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed your JoJo's Bizarre Adventure <laughs> That's video good. very much. I have watched JoJo, even though you haven't. Uh, listen, <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> I've watched it a little bit. Oh, my God. They talk a lot. It's the same as Dragon Ball. They just talk a lot. I'm like, well, can you fight, please? <laughs> They they fight eventually. <laughs> uh, so, but tell us about um, Spooky Month because those who aren't familiar with uh, Spooky Month, it is um, a couple of, of original characters, Pump and Skid. You have a little a little pumpkin, and then um, it's it's really like your original cartoon, right? And it started yeah. off as like a short thing. And then it got bigger, and then it got bigger. The animation got better on on everyone. the 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 progression of the the level of detail is fascinating. I think for anybody who's a budding animator or illustrator, watching the evolution of Spooky Month from when it first was created to now is very very interesting because it's such a clear progression. Um, what 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 is Spooky Month to you? Is is that like a show that you would love to make? a whole season or a series of or, or what are your thoughts about that um just uh let's say like a short series like just one season and that's it that's how i see it just the story like i'm here's the characters i want to tell you story that's it and why is that why just one okay, okay okay because i don't see i see the characters having a bunch of um a bunch of adventures oh and and you can add horror movies and all that stuff the thing is the the story let's what the background story it's like a ticking bomb and i gotta use the story anytime and when i use that background story that's that's it that's it i know i'm not gonna have it an end that like the show is gonna end i don't know in nine years or something i don't know i'm thinking of 12 episodes and that's it counting the ones that i have Mm mm-hmm but and that, that's that's feel, that you feel like you just have one story to tell, and that that and then once that's done, then the show's done, basically. Yeah, yeah. I I don't want to make um like like a cartoon that it takes seasons, it takes a lot of episodes. No, I just want to tell a story of mm-hmm. two kids that enjoy Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> whether it's June or July or <laughs> or December twenty fifth, it's always <laughs> it's always spooky month, Matt. Um, one, one other thing that, that comes to mind talking to Palo and about his process, YouTube is such a godsend for people like him because there's no way that this content gets created any other way prior to the existence of YouTube. It's impossible. No, there really isn't. And I think that's, that fits with a lot of different media. You know, it's, it was like that with writing back in the day where if you wanted to write something, first of all, nobody cared because you couldn't find people who would care. It wasn't really possible in 1998 uh, yeah. to write things people cared about unless it was like eh, articles for magazines. You know, there used to be Writer's Digest put out this thing that was like the ultimate guide to markets. And you would go through this and find the publications that seemed to fit with you and then send them a query letter. Back in the day, it was a it, an actual hard letter in the mail uh, saying, 
you know, I have an idea to do X, Y, and Z. Here are samples of my work. And then you'd wait weeks to hear back from them. Maybe you'd get an article there. Like, and the odds of you actually wanting to do that article are like 2%. You know, you really just wanted to get something out there and maybe make a buck doing it. But then all of a sudden with, uh, I'm trying to think what was first, um, honestly, probably live journal for young people, uh, but live journal and Zanga, and then eventually um, people being able to write long things on MySpace and then Blogger and WordPress became real content management systems for people. All of a sudden, anybody could write whatever they wanted in any format anywhere and potentially hit a bunch of other people who wanted to read it. Uh, without that platform, those people had nothing. And I know that those open-ended platforms have helped uh, photographers uh, with with different image sites, uh, writers like the examples I just had. Well, with YouTube, it's it's everything visual, you know, video, animation, and uh, and music as well. Um, I I don't know, Palo. You you probably wind up in an institution if you were born twenty years before you were. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> like you should be so thankful <laughs> that you were born. No, no you doubt. You should write yeah. a letter to Susan Wojcicki Wood- right now and just thank her for giving you your freedom. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, ma'am. But I, you know, I was thinking uh, uh, earlier today. For some reason, Harvey Picar popped into my head. We talked about him when we talked to Rusty Cage. I think uh, he did comics in, I think, starting in the late seventies. Uh, American Splendor, where he uh, with with Crumb, he uh, just kind of described his mundane, quirky life in Ohio. Um, you know, he self published those. He did one a year and did kind of one American Splendor for like 15 years. And, you know, then it turned into a movie and whatever. But, um, you know, what do you do if if there's no YouTube or a platform like it? Palo, what do you do with all of this stuff that, that you want to put out there? You share it in any way means like, it, it, let's, let's say YouTube doesn't exist. Well, you have Newgrounds, you have... Yeah. Um, the Vivo Live, I don't remember the other side that is like YouTube, but bad. You have a bunch of sites. Oh, yeah, Vimeo. Vimeo, yeah, there we go. You have a bunch of sites that can share your work. I, I started with DeviantArt. I can keep doing it with whatever site. Like, for example, with Spooky Month, um, the it has different endings on YouTube and on Newgrounds. The Newground ones have the real ending. And on YouTube, they don't have it because on okay. YouTube, originally... When you when you watch something scary or something that wasn't scary, they throw you a screamer. It's basically on YouTube's culture. Uh, but besides that, the point is just share it. That's that's it. Yeah, but I'm I'm wondering if what if there is no in- internet at all? <laughs> exactly. Like, it, it, let's say yes. it's like nuclear fallout. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, we are in the end times. Uh, what are you doing? Scrolling really crazy shit on like caves with charcoal? Yeah. Like uh, how do you? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, hell yeah. How, how do you think Da Vinci got popular or how people know his or, because he did it. That's it. He probably shared it. Oh, okay, look at this. I did this. I did that. Ah, yeah, cool, dude. Shut up. But that's how it is. You just share it. You show it and that's it. And you do the next work. Yeah, I think that the Harvey Picar crumb connection is probably apt. Probably some sort of comic um, is probably the medium. I, I would think would have played best for you prior to the internet. I, I just brought it up because I was thinking to myself, 
there's no way you can go into any sort of collaborative or network setting. Like you don't walk into Cartoon Network and they say, oh, okay, so what's your show? And you're like, okay, um, it's a pumpkin guy and a skeleton guy and um, they like Halloween. And then I'll figure out the rest as I'm drawing it. <laughs> they would be like, okay, please get out. <laughs> let me let me tell you something. I made a spooky month not for the TV. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, yes. Like, yeah. if I don't know where Cartoon Network begs me, please give us the show and I'm going to tell them no. Because he's not made for TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, didn't Meat Canyon say something pretty similar about just not yes. even wanting to go down that path with, with, with television because of all of the, the oversight? The oversight, yeah. And, and he's a little different in that, you know, he, he does have these uh, season, you know, kind of season-long planned production things. He just wants to do it himself. You know, he wants to handle all aspects of uh, the planning and management and execution and all of that rather than have the network's kind of muck it up and uh, give him a hard time at different points. You know, he gets the total creative uh, control and also gets to manage it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's, Palo, do you think it's impossible for your stuff to to hit something like a network because it's it's so unpredictable and unstructured? If, if I work on it, I think it will, but I don't want it. Like, 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 like you guys say that Meat Canyon said, they are going to manage it. They're going to say, oh, you can do this because this is bad. Oh, you can do that because it doesn't make sense. And and mm-hmm. that's boring. It's like, well, how about you do it? I don't want to fucking do this shit. Yeah, but I just, I think at some point, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, that those places like Netflix and, and Hulu or whatever, I know that they'll never give, give up creative control because that's their job and they need to redline things and whatever, give notes. Let me tell you, the animation on those platforms that the original animations are all the same and they're so boring. Like I am personally not at all a fan of them. They all look the same. They all look like Rick and Morty uh, clones or or worse. Like there's nothing visually compelling or interesting about them. And and the joke writing is all the same kind of sitcom-y joke writing that has existed on television for like 70 years at this point. Um, don't you think at some point that they would would want to try something fresh? I mean, dude, your animations get 10, 15, 20, 30 million views. It's not like a small amount of people are interested in this style. Uh, wait, what, what, what do you mean? Because, uh, I mean, here's the thing. With, with, with the views, like, I really don't care. Like, oh, yeah, look at this video. It's got a bunch of views. Like, I just really don't care. I care if the people that watch it like it. And if they say, oh, that's, this is actually good, it made me laugh. Or they say, well, this is a bad one. I don't like this one. Yeah, I just... But those numbers, though, are evidence of mass appeal. Exactly. Oh, like, yeah, I guess. You, you don't get nearly a billion views if uh, there are like 500 weirdos watching your stuff and liking it. Well, like, a significant mm-hmm. number of people are into this style. Well, okay, here's the, here's the catch. It's not the same people on the TV than on the internet. Right, it's like you on the internet. On the internet, you have a, like adults that are built by the old comedy, and on the internet, you have like whatever person watches you. It can be an old person, it can be a new person, it can be a young person, anything. 
It can be any anyone in this world. And at least they can try something new or something they have never seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I just can, know yeah. that the, the, those shows are very, very expensive. The ones that are on Netflix, they pay like, you know, Hollywood stars to do all the voiceover <sighs> and to executive yeah. produce it. And I just know they could probably, you know, fill half of a dump truck of money uh, up to up to your house <laughs> and say, hey, go wild. And um, we won't bother you until the thing's done. If I'm an executive and, and I, I never, I guess, will be probably for a million reasons, one of them being that this is what I would do is that's what I would do. I'd go to you and I'd go to Meat Canyon and I'd be like, hey, here is my dump truck of money. Um, I will go away now. Um, and I expect you to give me, you know, 12 episodes of spooky month uh, by the end of the year. Go. Isn't that a little time? <laughs> okay. Okay. By the, over the course of the next three years. I don't know. You tell me. You give me your, your schedule. You said that the people who, who are watching your stuff on YouTube are so different than the ones who are watching Adult Swim. What? Can you describe who, like, what is a typical Halo viewer, like a Halo fan, somebody who watches every upload that you, that you put on, what are they like? Imagine someone, a normal person, and then I don't know where a witch comes and it curses you. <laughs> That's how it is. You, <laughs> you're, we watch the video and then you can't get out of it. What the fuck is going to help me? And the witch is like, ha <laughs> ha. Watch it. Watch my video. <laughs> That's how it is. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's like her. I, I think we just accidentally did one of those alternative use tests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything is like that. <laughs> um, another thing that I, I thought about earlier today is uh, when we were talking to Psychic, was it we were talking to, maybe it was when we were talking about we were talking about psychic pebbles with Michael Cusack. He was talking okay. about how pebbles has this uncanny ability to draw the simplest characters, but somehow they're perfect and amazing. And I actually think that pump and skid from spooky month fall into that category. Those characters are, are not complex. They're very simple drawings, but they're, 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 perfect like they're great they they literally were plushies and you made them into plushies and and sold them um is that hard to do is that like the uh, the ultimate thing for you when you're we're drawing characters is is to try to make them unique and but ultimately simple at the same time mm, for one part yeah because I, I like the idea of making a character that you remember visually like it's so simple it's a still it can be still like um, detailed, but it's simple at the same time. Uh, on games, like you have Mario, this red, like peach color and blue, and that's it. That's that's Mario. And then you have like Goku, orange, blue. It's they have detail, but it's easy to remember with the eye. Um, and I really mm -hmm. like that about with character design. Just make it simple. Don't add a bunch of colors. And if you're going to add them, at least try to make them, let's say, close, like, like a theme. Add, make a theme with the colors. Make a theme with the, the character. And also mm -hmm. with the shape. Let's make the shape that describes them. You see like pump, 
his head is it's a pumpkin head, but it's it's not a large pumpkin head or I mean it kinda it is, but it's not a thin a thin pumpkin head, it's not wide pumpkin head. No, it's just a normal pumpkin, that's it. But it's a little bit mm-hmm. fat with circle eyes and with skid, it's a circle head that's basically a skull, but his eyes are like um are t- let's say tall. He's a skinny, he's bigger than pump, like just tiny stuff. And then you add like just a little bit of detail. Let's say with the smile of skid, it's two lines at the edge of the smile and two lines in, in the middle. And you just, mm-hmm. just add character with while you're making any character. Just add, just make them unique, not just make a skull and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love the design of those characters. And I think they look particularly great in the, the most recent Thank you. spooky month, which you worked on that with a bunch of people. The credits on that cartoon are pretty extensive. Oh, so what was that process like? Because you have people who do the music, people who do the sound design, someone who does backgrounds, a, a, a whole slew of animators. How do you manage all of that? I gotta say that was my first time like getting a team and working on a project. It was messy. It was so fucking messy. I learned a lot, which is good. Um, I, I'll tell you this. You need to have the idea on paper and then you distribute it. You tell people, okay, you do this, you do that, you do that. Um, with animation, I also joined, but I needed to have everything on paper, but not like like a storyboard. No, the an- on animation so they know what happens. And with mm-hmm. that, it's, it's like a teamwork and that's it. And you just check everyone how they're doing or if they have um, a doubt on how to make the characters, check the characters if it's good. If not, draw them, give them an example and stuff like that. It's the first time. I don't know what the fuck I did, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turned out great. I mean, it's not like you could you could see the seams of it or anything. It looks fantastic. It sounds fantastic. What what parts of it were messy for you, though? Just being unable to communicate you know, how you wanted things to go or coordinate certain things? Or uh, why did you feel like it was a, a messy process? And what are you going to do differently next time? Well, um, time. <laughs> need to have time to make everything for sure. I started on June, but I started getting people on September, I think. And it's so messy, so <laughs> messy. Now I'm lying on October. Oh, oh, no, September. At the end of September, I will start getting people for animation. And it's not a lot of fucking time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I, I will try not only time, um, also a way to tell people how to draw the characters. And one mistake that I made is getting the voices after the animation. Because with the voices, let's say, let's say you have, oh, I am going to the store. I'm going to the store. You give that that text, that script to the voice actor and they can say, I'm going to the, the store. And they say in a way that is like, oh, well, the character is not going to say it like stiff. They're going to do a gesture. And that's one of my one of the biggest mistakes that I did with animation is getting the voices after the animation. Um, let's I basically needed to make more animation and that's why it got late because I did it bad. I, 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 you know, I learned from it. Is that how, was it hard? No. Uh, uh, Just, just quickly, I was wondering, is that how like Pixar movies and stuff work? I I don't know anything about the actual process, but do they get the voice actors to do their performance first and then they animate it to the performance? Yeah, they, well, this is what I, what I know. 
they basically they have the they pitch the idea to Pixar pitches the idea to Disney. Disney say um money yes, and then they they add <laughs> all those ideas into a little sketch. Every single screen to a little sketch, and they they get the the voice actors and they get the music and they start like building everything. And after they build anything, then they start working on animation. For what I know, I don't know if that's that's how they do it. I don't know. Okay. Is it hard for you to communicate your style to to anybody you're working with? Like, like how easily do they absorb all of those elements that you need uh, to to have it be your thing? Because we we've talked to a lot of people about um, kind of about how they scale, and sometimes it's. Uh, uh, an informational content creator, like we we talked to Drew Dernil about how he he kind of trained people to edit for him. Like even though that was just editing informational stuff, um, you know, it still had to be in his style. And some people have an easier time uh, than others. Uh, is it particularly difficult? Because it seems like it would be pretty hard for you compared to other people. Um, well, because I, this is the first time that I've done something like this, though. I, I've never done it. But did it go well? Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wait, let's say yes, but <laughs> I could have done it better. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do differently the second second time around? Having a way to tell the animators how to draw the characters or how they behave. Um, because mm-hmm. if you watch the animation, some of them are slightly different. And I, a lot of them, I told them, hey, this is, that's not how you draw it. You draw it like this, or change this hand for simplicity. Oh, there's there's four fingers there. That that no no no. Then right. Yeah, that's how it is. Basically, telling them how how to do everything, or giving them the idea so they can go with it. There's a uh, uh, who there's a a guy on Twitter who was in was on The Simpsons during the early days, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But he routinely will post. I don't know what they're called, like lookbook. Maybe like a style guide, right? Yeah, yeah, like so, style yeah, guide, yeah. like like draw Bart this way. Never draw Bart this way. Draw Maggie like this. Never draw her like this. This. This or this. It it sounds like that. That's what you need. Yes, uh, Josh yes. Weinstein. Is that who is? Yes, that that's what I'm talking about. I I don't know what's the name. I don't know if it's a lookbook, is a character. Design, I don't know, but I know that's what I need, and that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Kevin, uh, there's a Vsauce 2 element to this that kind of kind of jumped into my head here. Isn't I, I seem to remember you talking about uh, neoteny and the features, like the baby-like features of of characters. Wasn't what didn't that come from a Disney style guide? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was Mickey Mouse. It was Moki. So yeah. <laughs> oh, if okay. you uh, uh, was it Stephen J. Gould? Uh, that, that name is coming to mind for some reason that wrote a paper about Neoteny and used that um, evolution of Mickey, how Mickey uh, through the years from his you know inception to uh, I, I think that stock guide was made in like the 50s or something. He got more baby like features. This is in a video. Yes. This is in a video called The Invention of Pets because it actually has to do with how we've bred uh, dogs over the years to look more like babies, to look more like puppies. Wait, what? But, whoa, whoa. Jesus, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, there are a lot of dog breeds that we have 
I, I like pugs are a great example. Uh, like pugs, we've bred to have mm. these like gigantic eyeballs um, yeah. and a really short snout. So, so they look like weird little babies. <laughs> they look like little puppies forever, <laughs> right? Yeah. With the super exaggerated features of babies. Yeah. Uh, ah, Stephen Jay Gould. I was right. Wow, I actually remember. Yeah, no, something. that was that was a good call. Yeah, it's a really good call. Um. Stephen J. Wright wrote that thing. Yeah. Uh, human be- uh, Mickey sheds light on human behavior published in 1979. So anybody who's listening on audio, if you're looking to uh, check out, it's fascinating to look at because you can see how like Steamboat yeah. Willie era Mickey Mouse was not uh, very cute for lack of a better word. And then over the years, just kind of like got cuter and cuter as his eyes got bigger. And um, right. You know, I don't remember, recall the other elements. Maybe ears got bigger and snout got smaller. Um, but yeah, the head became uh, a, a larger percentage of the body. So here's a little passage from this New York Times oh, write up in 79. Right. Eye size increased from 27 to 42% of head length, head length from 42 to 48% of body size. The change to the baby like cranium was even more pronounced. So this is really dissecting. Uh, the evolution, <laughs> the evolution of Mickey Mouse, turning him into this kind of lovable baby. I, I thought it was more about psycho- psychological type of drawing rather than just turning <laughs> Mickey into a baby. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, no, it's, yeah, more more juvenile features, yeah, with like the proportion of the head to the rest of the body and stuff. I mean, look at, look at, Pump and Skid, like those are really cute characters. They have very, very big yeah. heads compared to the size of their body. Um, and the eyes, like the black part of their eyes are a huge portion of that head. And you were even saying uh, with your U2s that you, you wanted the eyes to be a lot bigger. So I think that that maybe subconsciously is a he- plays a heavy role in what you like to do with your characters yeah. as well. And it's different. I want it to be the U2s to be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of babies are ugly yeah. too. <laughs> I was gonna say you gotta have some some like, ugly babies. <laughs> I think four out of five babies look like little tiny golems. <laughs> four four out of five, really? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> really? It's a it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> newborn babies look terrifying and strange. <laughs> How newborn? I think babies are usually cute. No, I think it's no, uh, really. But okay, I mean, I'm alone you, on that. Uh, it, they look monstrous when, when they open the eyes. Yeah, but when they <laughs> they are like fresh out of the womb, that they look horrible. Oh, wet! They're always like clothes, <laughs> fucking red. No. <laughs> yeah, they do look like monsters when they're hatched. Hatched. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know man <laughs> I, I, I don't know a lot about how babies are made <laughs> uh, yeah I think it has something to do with an egg and, and hatching it, it makes yeah, sense that's all I know there's a nest they fall out of <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um uh, before I forget, I wanted to ask you about the game that you work on. What a horrible year! Hi, yes, yeah. So what's up with that? What's up with your your game? You're doing the the sprites and stuff, and then I'm assuming somebody else is doing the programming because yeah, I'm too much of an idiot <laughs> for coding. <laughs> 
But yeah, someone is doing the coding, the music, and I'm just working on animation and sprite work. I'm mm-hmm. basically the director of the game. Um, How did this come about? It's just a simple idea of... Well, no, okay, okay, okay let me explain. Games take a lot of fucking time. I, I actually have another game that I was mm-hmm. making, but I stopped it to make this game. Why? I thought about a game that it's big, but inside it's it's tiny. It's simple. It's easy to work on. Like, no, no, not like. On the game, we have this system where, for example, movement. There is the movement that bounces on the walls. There's the movement that goes randomly around the room, um, zigzag, and all this stuff. And that's it. That's a re- you can combine million ways and you make a new characters. And you just work on the sprite. It's simple. It's easy to make and you can make it bigger. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's how I made the game. The idea was basically, oh, let's make a game about how this horrible, this fucking year is. <laughs> but the game itself reminds me of Smash TV, which anybody who is as old as I am will remember that game. Do, do you know that game? I, Smash TV? I love that game. Oof. It, oh, you do? Yes, awesome. It's based on that game, yeah. Awesome. I, I was going to feel bad if Good you were call. like, I have no idea what that is. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that you like that game. I was one of my favorite. Uh, well, what's what's the catchphrase? Um, damn, damn, what's the catchphrase of the game? Good luck. You I need don't... it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a hard game. But it's so good, though. I mean, it has, it has this little thingy thingies, but I like it. It's a really good game. Yeah. The graphics were so awesome at the time, too. I remember. And it was very violent for that time as well when it came out. There weren't a lot of games that were kind of that over the top. um, I don't know. Violent, like commando style. It had that weird sense of humor as well. That kind of like tongue in cheek, RoboCop-esque sense of humor. Yeah. And the Um, prices thing. Big market. Big prices. Yeah. Yeah. What's your plan then for um for what a horrible year? Cuz you you have a demo out with what? Two levels? Three levels. Three yeah. levels. Okay. So the idea is uh f- finishing the game and probably in the future adding more stuff to it that is not related to the year or to a year. Um I didn't mm-hmm. call it like 2020 because yeah, people are going to forget 2020 in like 5 years or months. Yeah. Like I- after the good. coronavirus is done, they're going to forget about it. So I want to mm. make a year that, well, this this whole shit is going to happen again. Every single 20 years or who knows, we're going to have fires on any any anywhere in the world. We're going to have war. We're going to have f- famine or some infection virus shit. This shit's going to happen all the time. <laughs> Pretty much every year is, is terrible. Yeah. I mean, you think about That's, it yeah. <laughs> like it's it's loaded with terrible things. <laughs> so I think you've set up uh, you set up a game that has uh, like perpetual DLC as every shit year passes. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> if, if something new happens, I'm not going to do that. shit. <laughs> Probably. I don't think so. <laughs> But how many more levels are you going to do? Like, when is the game done? Um, well, we don't know when. Right now, the coder is being, like, it's so fucking busy. And I've been lazy mm. <laughs> playing games because I'm resting from the, the last year. Um, but we hope not in August. 
And if we do, well, it's okay. The point is finishing the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> and what we have we have like a little problem right now, which is nothing happened on November and December. Nothing happened. And boy, I'm just, I suppose they were pretty quiet. Pretty quiet yeah, months. Yeah. I'm just adding my something funny or flavorful to the game, like chaotic, to make the game like, oh my god, no, damn. But the rest <laughs> of it, yeah, it's it's pretty much. "Quote unquote," everything that happened on the year, mm-hmm. and then uh, is, are you gonna really put it on Steam or how? How can people get it? What's what's the goal for now? Ichio, if we can on Steam, I don't know if mm-hmm. we can do it on Steam. Yeah, I don't know. Steam is really weird. I heard that they don't accept people's first game or something like that. But there is really like shovelware on Steam, a lot of shovelware. So I really don't know. I'll try though. So. Where do people release their first games then? Is this one of those situations where it's like you need three years experience to get the job, but you need to get the job before you can get three years experience? <laughs> I, I get again. I don't know. I've heard this. I take this as a grain of salt because I heard this. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, people can release their games whenever there's itch.io, there's game, GameStop. No, no, it's not GameStop. It's some. It's another site. It's another site with games. Uh, new grounds and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Gog. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Epic Store. Game Jolt. There we go. Yes. Thank you, Monsieur. Thank you. Game Jolt. Yeah. Uh, wow. But yeah, I, I I I hope we can finish it like early if, if we can. If not, then it's fine. How how's the response been to it so far? Um, it has its little problems, but it's been good. Like, it's been really, really good. I'm happy with that. Some people didn't understand, like, what was going on. Not on the game, more like the theme of the months. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that's yeah. fine. It's, it's not necessary to know what happened last year. But yeah. it's still good. I don't know what happened yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to remember. Probably some <laughs> situation in Texas. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Um, wh- One thing that Matt and I were fascinated by when we were talking about you and your channel earlier today is the fact that you label your videos, the, the, the usage rights as creative commons. And then you have this blurb in your description, allowing people to remix your videos, uh, but not re upload and, and monetize them. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I've never seen anybody else label their videos as as uh, the usage rights as creative commons and then have like a kind of disclaimer like you do so where did you get that idea and like how has that played out for you okay 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 we created the cc um it's it's the internet people are gonna if you're if your content is successful people are gonna use it for a remix for adding them on their videos so Hell yeah, go ahead and use it. I I want you to see I want to see my content being used or someone reacting to it. That's amazing. My problem is when people are trying to let's say to feed themselves with my content or others content. It's like what's the necessity of reuploading it? You're not supporting the other person by uploading with you because they're going to people are going to think you're uploading it, not the other person, the creator. This there is a really big problem with this with Nico 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 video Nico video whatever the name is um, where um, there is really good videos over there and a lot of people grab them 
upload them to YouTube, and no one knows who the creator is. Oh, yeah, I've I've never heard of this. What is this website? Uh, Nico Video. Let let me check. I think it's Nico Nico Video. Okay, and and people are uploading to there, and then other people are stealing. They're ripping those videos and then sticking them on YouTube and making money off of it. Some of them, yeah. Other people, no. Like right now, I don't mind the whole uploading thing unless. Oh, it's Japanese. Yeah, yeah, it's Japanese. Ni- well, that's NicoVideo.jp. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I haven't heard of this. It, it, you can ignore with Nico. It it happens on YouTube, where people just re-upload other people's videos, and I understand. I understand some. Oh, fuck! On Facebook happens. They grab videos from YouTube and they upload it on Facebook, and I've seen a lot of people monetizing yeah. them. And, and you know, it's upsetting. It's upsetting that they are not making something for themselves. They're just stealing people's money or, or, or forget about the money. They're just feeding themselves with other people's content. Uh, for me, that's like, that's a no, no. I, I don't like that. Right. I mean, right now I don't mind. I don't care, but I still don't like it. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Adrian Smith has had this problem Probably more than anybody uh, who who I follow, um, he uh, Adrian was a, a patron of the Create Unknown. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, it's at Doctor Adrian Smith. He has uh, these incredibly high frame rate videos of insect behavior. So, like uh, um, these, uh, oh, I can't think what it is uh, that jumps. But they they breed like around garbage or whatever. Um, but like he'll have uh, a, an insect like taking off for flight, and he in his lab is able to record this at, at like thousands of frames per second. So you get to see this crazy uh, thing that that you otherwise would never be able to witness with your own eyes. And because of that, like this is perfect for creating. 60 second uh viral videos and the amount his stuff has been ripped off uh put on facebook pages put on twitter accounts uh it's it's shocking and he posts about this all the time and you know he's a a, a professor at uh north carolina state so he's not in this for tons of of ad revenue but he sure would like the attribution and i think uh uh, Ant Lab. That's what his channel is called on YouTube. Ant Lab. Um, yeah, it's check it out. Follow him because uh, the videos are really, really cool. But um, he, he sings kind of a similar tune here where it's like, hey, the world should see what I'm doing. That's really cool. I want a lot of people to see it, but I really want them to throw a little bit of credit so that people know where it came from and and how it was generated. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. Um, and it happens with um, people creating art on, on Twitter and a bunch of sites where you're just, I, I understand the whole making content just to show it to people, just sharing it. But the main problem is like when you don't tell anyone or just share the content, no one is going to know you. And that's what you do on the internet. You you post something to show it, to share it. But if someone steals that share and it's like, oh, I am sharing this and you're not going to know who made it. So that's on you. It's, it's, it's shitty. I, I, I don't like that 
that behavior with certain mm -hmm. people on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Then you make something and someone grabs it and shows it to another person. It's like they get all the credit. It's it's bad. And I know some people are going to feel like down and they don't want to make anything else because they're going to say, ah, fuck it. Someone is going to steal it. So it matters. Hell no. Nah, I, I, at least I don't like it. <laughs> now, on YouTube, it's very easy, in my experience, to have a video taken down that you can prove is yours. It, it takes like two minutes. Oh, yeah. um, what about on the other platforms? Because I'm assuming that your animations must get freebooted and put all over the place. What is what has been your experience in trying to get things uh, taken down on, like, say, Facebook or, or, or other websites? Okay, on Facebook. Oh my god, I think any site that is owned by Facebook is just a fucking whole hassle. Uh, taking video. I remember when I had less than one hundred thousand. Someone uploaded one of my old old videos, and I didn't like it. Oh, it was a pain looking on how to take down the video it was a whole <laughs> pain i need to go there and then there oh this this helped you hell no give me a link of how to do it it's the same with instagram uh at least with with tiktok i think with tiktok you just send um like like an email and then proving it's you and proving it's your content and that's it but on instagram and and jesus christ and and facebook it's a pain in the ass well, have you been successful with it, though? Have you been able to get things taken down off Facebook and Instagram? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. At, at this point, I'm lazy because it's a lot of people. It's like, nah, I don't want to waste my time with this. I, I already have like I already have the people that watch me already see it. So I, right now, I am fine with it. But back in the day or with people that are less known, of course, they're going to. That, that's unfair for them. Mm -hmm. Like, it was unfair for me. Yeah. yeah. That, that, yeah, and I will yeah. say just for people listening that um, people really, if you like post what you think is a meme uh, and then you find out who you can attribute it to, the the, the person really appreciates that. So yes. Yes. recently yeah. I tweeted this image of an overweight Kermit the Frog <laughs> that was was so amazing. And I don't know where I saw it. I, I, there was no attribution for it. But I posted it because I thought it was funny. I'm like, okay, here's this meme. I don't know who this belongs to, but I absolutely love it. And the world, the world yeah, so it's in the chat right now. That's why everybody's <laughs> laughing at this overweight Kermit the Frog. Um, so what happened was somebody replied to my tweet, I believe, linking the Instagram of the creator, this, this, this 3D sculpting artist. Uh, his name is Juan Carlos Montez. And so I just did a follow-up reply to that tweet because it was getting a decent amount of attention and just tagged. I just, I, I wrote his name and then I tagged his Twitter and he immediately responded and said, thank you and followed me. And I followed him back and that's cool. Yeah, totally cool. Now I, I like made a friend who's an amazing artist. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I, I felt bad not having attributed it to begin with, but I honestly didn't know who it was. And then as soon as I did, I did attribute it to him. He really appreciated it. So I do think that if you do find yourself in this instance where you're tweeting something and you don't know who made it, it's definitely a good idea if you find out to go back 
and just leave that link so that that person gets that um, gets that credit. And also, if they say, "Hey, take this down because I don't want you sharing my thing," I've had that happen to me as well too. And I just will delete it because it's like, "All right, sorry, <laughs> like not here to upset anybody." I, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I don't I don't like it. It's like, oh, come on, at least let me sh- share it. And no, don't share it. And I'm like, okay, fine, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was some beautiful painting that I shared on my um, Sleep Warrior, uh, the, 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 the novel that I'm working on. I have an, a Twitter account for it called Sleep Warrior. Beautiful painting. And um, somebody who didn't follow me left like a nasty reply. It wasn't to the artist saying like, hey, you should at least credit this person. Like, okay, I didn't know who it was. So then I oh, went yeah, to right. their Twitter and in their bio, this artist says, do not repost my artwork. Do not share it. So Ugh. I just I, del- I just deleted it. I was like, all right. What can you do? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to leave it up. I'm going to respect their wishes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an odd mentality to me that you make a thing and then want to have extreme control over uh, how it's distributed. I mean, you just kind of have to accept that... People are going to do stuff, and uh, the best you can hope for is that most of the time you'll get a little citation for it, get some credit. But first and foremost, hey, your stuff's got to be out there. People need to see it so they can enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and well, share it. Yeah, it wasn't like I was making money off it. It was, <laughs> or anybody else is making a dime off of Twitter <laughs> ever. No, but, that's that's a very small account too. No, like yeah. this was. I mean, yours, your, the well, the one that you shared it on is a pretty small account. Well, the artist didn't even see it. I just saw that in there. Oh, I just okay. saw that okay. in their bio. It says flat out in like all caps, do not post my artwork. So um, I don't there think they, they, they know or ever will know that I did, <laughs> but I deleted it anyway because it's like, all right, well, okay, <laughs> I, I'll, I won't, <laughs> yeah. sorry, you know, well, I won't. Guess share this with gotta anybody. respect those wishes you know yeah so anybody listening who wants to show this podcast to a friend don't you dare do it <laughs> <laughs> don't you let anybody else hear this this is for you and you only <laughs> our little secret <laughs> oh my gosh um well we have some uh questions from our patrons that we would love uh to to throw your way We do. We do have questions and they are fewer in number than last week, but they are much deeper in terms of quality. These are very, very good questions. Um, So I'm trying to think how to order these. Give me a second. While you order it, Um, give me a second. I need water. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. These are, there are no throwaway questions in this list. There are always, you know, a couple like goofy, simple ones. uh, And those can be really fun. Like, you know, uh, the, the pizza story came from, Jeff oh, asking right. about, you know, just a simple question about favorite toppings on pizza. So you can never tell. But um, yeah, these are like good, really decent okay, questions. Okay. So um, let me see. Uh, the first one, let's go with Dan the Latch. Uh, welcome to the Dumpster Crew, by the way. Dan just joined uh, at the beginning of this episode. So we will lead off with Dan's question. What was the catalyst for the story time animation video? And is it because you got fed up with how saturated that genre had become? Um, n- yes and no. Uh, actually, like, 
yes, I got fed up with a lot of people doing it and no one being like creative. It's fine w with me. Mm -hmm. A lot of people tell me, uh, I remember doing a video that it would, it, it's literally a story time animation, but it's not me telling the story. It's also telling my frustrations and me being mad and making jokes with all the stuff. It's like, I, I want people to be creative, not just telling a story. And I'm happy that some of them got better than than how they were. They improved. But yeah, I was fed up with, with that. And also, I didn't like how a lot of people were joining just because the views and the popularity. Like, I saw it through and I hated it. I hate that so much. Like, come on, do something that you actually like. Don't just go and and get a piece of the pie Because at the end of the day, yeah, you get yeah. it. But then what else? It did seem like it was a, a kind of a, a guaranteed, you know, guaranteed views on, on a video for a while there. And it, you're right. A lot of people jumped on that bandwagon. Um, were, so so with, the, <laughs> with the pushback that the Ego Raptor had on that, um, <laughs> how, how, did that uh, how did that really turn let me, out? Let me make it short. Um, okay. Let me, let me make it short. Okay. Okay. Yes. He made his comment and then I contacted him DM telling him, Hey, but you can't contact me. It's, it's fine. It's not necessary to like put it on public. The thing happened, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I can say I, I quote unquote things are good. <laughs> I really don't know. Cause that, yeah. that whole shit was weird and annoying for me. It was annoying. Everything was annoying. Cause, um, I made the video as a joke. And I understand some people didn't like it, but I threw to everyone. I didn't. I don't like throwing yeah. to one side. No, it's if you're gonna make a joke, make a joke for yourself, for them, and for, for everyone. That's how jokes work. And you spread around, you know, it, like it was kind of like, a, uh, like a roast of the genre. And so, well, yeah, I no, mean, you're gonna hit a whole bunch of yeah, people. Yeah, not that. only that, it's also a roast on like the critics. The critics. A roast on like the viewers. It was on everyone. Uh, yeah. For me, that whole thing that happened was just dumb. I I didn't. It didn't deserve that amount of views. I see it as someone could get help with something important, but a lot of people rather mm -hmm. bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it, it his argument did seem to come off as no one can make fun of anything ever, and yeah. that. <laughs> I I totally disagree that with that. that. Sucks, I totally man. disagree with that. If he if he look if if he thinks like that, that's fine. That's fine with him. That's fine with his life and all that stuff. But if you don't like someone, you just get rid of them, block them, don't follow them. And that's it. Yeah, it is that easy. Uh, there's another uh, question about this video. This is from uh, Tom Videoger. Um, With the every story time animation ever, how long did the research just for the people involved for that animation? How long did that take on that like segment alone? Five, well, not not five months. Um, the animation took five months, but the research probably two months while making it, and probably a new character being added. Um, yeah, that's it. it. Because it's not only the research; it's also making the joke. Or, and, and studying how they animate their characters. Because it's, it's not only making fun of, at least try to do it right. Yeah, I can see that <laughs> that would be incredibly time-consuming to uh, get all those pieces and then assemble them perfectly. Yeah. Uh, um, there are two technical questions here that 
Uh, it, it, there's probably so much to it. I, I almost brought it up earlier in the episode, but 11 Z's asked whether you've had any difficulty recording audio um, because uh, of how, how kind of loud and uh, kind of off the charts. Some of the voice lines are. Um, I'll say, yeah, sometimes like, let's say I scream and the, the volume of how, of the microphone is like, really high you cannot hear anything or you just hear sound like it's it's annoying it's annoying for the ears so i got i sometimes i gotta let's say level it i play with the volume and all that stuff so it reaches that that perfect spot which is loud but it's not annoying do you do that on the computer end or do you do things in the physical environment to to I, reduce I, them i have the i do it with the box and if i don't like like a scream. If I don't like a scream or a certain sound, I re-record it or play with the volume or effects or something. Because yeah, I, listening to some of the, watching some of the videos, like they're clean. Like all of these screeches and screams come out cleanly. And I thought, how does this happen? Because the levels here have to be, you know, blowing off the monitor. Yeah, that. <laughs> I don't know how I do it. <laughs> uh, APM has a APM who is an outstanding animator and now vtuber check out traveler marquez that just debuted the other day uh it's very cool i'm fascinated by this this entire vtube phenomenon um but apm asks if you've ever accidentally broken anything while doing these sound effects no probably like hurting my my hand while fucking hitting the the table But besides that, no. Oh, oh, actually, I, I've been dropping a lot of cups, uh, glass. I've dropped a lot of stuff because I got to hit the table good. I got to give it a motion. <laughs> but besides that, no, everything's good. <laughs> and everything's always good with uh, uh, like vocal cords and all of that. So like this sounds like a weird question, but like I think of uh, if anybody knows the band Cinderella. They're kind of a hair metal band from the eighties. Uh, the, the lead singer, Tom, I forget his last name. Um, he has a, like Cinderella. a really raspy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's exactly it. Kevin. Um, no, he, uh, just has like a, a kind of raspy high pitched, uh, singing voice. And over time he developed problems with his vocal cords from, uh, from using that so much. And, you know, I understand that you're not, you know, doing like two hours of, of, uh, voice acting every day. But, um, I like, even when we do a long podcast, sometimes the next day, you know, my throat's a little dry, whatever. Uh, Tom Kiefer, that's right. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, does, does this ever pop up for you? Yeah. Like when I scream constantly without like helping my throat, um, taking water or something, it, it hurts for like one or two weeks. Uh, probably one ulcer or something. Yeah. What? We, with Maki, if I do it constantly, it hurts. It, it hurts a lot. Um, but so you sacrifice for the art. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I gotta rest. I I rest a lot. My voice with while while recording for Maki, I rest a lot, and I try to be. There, there is a point. Okay, every time I scream, I don't go. Ah! I go, ah, like, like you can hear on the screams this. <laughs> it's like yeah. guttural. Yeah. And that hurts the throat. So I try to n- not scream a lot more like, okay, let's just, let's read all this script 
for now. And then in three days, I can read the rest. Okay, so you have to break yeah. it up. And sometimes I don't break it up because this is funny. <laughs> yeah, like these questions popped up and I'm like, you know, these are very real questions about about the tech uh, tech side of this and, and also the, the health yeah, side. Someone has asked me that, actually. Um, there, there are things yeah. that you might want to look into, though, too, such as like maybe using a humidifier. I already have to, that. Don't yeah. worry about it. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, I I bought this um uh like a hundred pack of uh lemonade mixes and <laughs> like I drink like four four uh thirty two ounce things a day of like some juice stuff that I mixed up. Well, the first day that I got it was a day that we were recording. This was about a month ago, and I drank those all day. So I'm like, oh, this is, this is really good. It was like that classic lemon juice in the throat thing that that you used to see on old TV shows. Like they would ruin somebody's singing act by giving them, you know, lemon juice or something. Uh, it, yeah, it, like it actually affected my throat. And I, for the first time, I started thinking like, oh, I have to consider what I eat and drink to do this podcast. It was such a strange little realization. <laughs> That is weird. I just remember some story. I, I don't know where I came across this. It had to do with some one of those like divas vocal health routines before she would perform. It was like Mariah Carey or somebody like this, Celine Dion. And it was this very structured regimen of like honey, like honey tea yeah. and a humidifier and and something else to make sure that their vocal cords were you know lubed it's up I, I guess enough to yeah. to belt out my heart will go on for like the 47th night in a row in Las Vegas or whatever <laughs> <laughs> sheep asks if we can get Mariah Carey on the podcast i'll tell you what sheep will try yeah <laughs> okay. will try uh, she did have a residency in uh, in Vegas for a while and and i don't think she's doing it right now um, so yeah, maybe she's into podcasts. We'll find out. Well, this is the, uh, this is uh, the last question we've got for you before. I, I think Kevin's got one of his own. Um, uh, this is from the grinning reaper and, and it's really kind of the culmination of so many of the things that we've talked about. What keeps you inspired and happy to keep making these animations? Ooh. Okay. Ah, uh, ah, damn. I'll say two things mostly music i always listen to like video game music or just instrumental something that doesn't have vocals why um let's say you have a boss music you can interpret that as in any way possible you can think of an helicopter you can think of a dinosaur anything with vocals it's telling you what's happening it's telling you how to feel and i mm -hmm. at least i don't like that Unless you don't understand the vocals, like some German, Russian or something. Um, and the other one is just thinking about stupid shit. <laughs> oh, look, the, the ball is, is bouncing. Oh, it would be funny if the ball is heavy or some dumb stuff. <laughs> is it? Is it my turn? Is it my turn to ask our final question? It is your turn, Kevin. All right. All right. Now, it's possible, you know, coming from your background in DeviantArt that you have thought about this a lot or maybe this even exists but here here, here we go here we go uh this will be the final question and then we will bid adieu so senor pelo 
What is your fursona? No, no, no. No, fam, no. I don't have a fursona. Hell no. <laughs> I, I know I come from fucking Diviana, but hell no. Hell no. <laughs> a Sonic oh, Sona? Probably, yes. But hell no fursona. Nah. Nah. <laughs> I, I want that reaction as my ringtone. <laughs> so every time somebody calls me, it's just na 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 na. I didn't think we would get uh, we would be able to top Idub's reaction to the question, but I think we just did. I think oh, we just have reaction? the number one persona answer of all time. He just hung up on us. He did. He did just hang up. He just left. It actually was was the last time I think either of us have talked to him. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Oh my god! I actually hadn't realized that how grim that is. That uh, uh, it's been like a year, and that was the last experience with iDubs. Blocked restriction order. <laughs> yeah, or the relationship killer. Cord. They ask me if I'm a persona. Hand yep. on. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh anybody who has not checked out the work of Senor Palo, that Don't is uh Don't listen to yeah, that. S S R space P E L O. And uh life will not be the same after you fall into the deep, deep well and the trance no, of of this this content that you've never experienced and you will not experience uh elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I would suggest and we'll, yeah. not listen, uh, not watching uh, this content like uh, in bed with your volume up loud next to like a significant <laughs> other or maybe like a baby who you just put down for the night. Probably not the best environment. I mean, if you want to show it to a baby, <laughs> Jesus <No>. Christ. <laughs> yeah, just show it to any baby you meet. This is if, if anybody here babysits. Just take a whole session and just chain watch these videos with whatever child is is in your care. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> uh, just demented for life. But um, uh, listen, th uh, thanks for, for doing the show, man. It's been a long time coming. Uh, like Matt said in the beginning, long requested. And, um, you know, you're doing great yeah. stuff on the platform. Truly unique stuff. So it's great to have you on the uh, show. Thank you for inviting and, me. Like, holy, I, I didn't expect yeah. you for inviting me. Holy shit. <laughs> What you have. So, yeah, really, like Kevin said, most requested, like you have people have been begging for you for like a year over and over. What annoying constant. <laughs> <laughs> we keep banning them from the server every time they're like, oh, have have Palo on. We're like, no, ban hammer swing. Uh, and eventually we just gave up. We're like, OK, let's just get them on. Yeah. And this <laughs> the ban hammer broke. It's true. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah. And huge thanks to all of our patrons for hanging out, uh, with us in the episode chat. If you'd like to do so, just go to patreon.com slash the create unknown. Start, start with the $2 tot. Two bucks will get you in. That's it. Two dollars. Yep. You can't even get a sandwich for that. And this is a lot no. more nourishment over the course of the month, every Wednesday, hanging out with us than eating some Subway sandwich where the bread's not even bread. It's like cake or something and, and gym mats and the, the meat's not really meat. <laughs> it's, oh no, the tuna is not tuna. That was the thing that came out and, recently. It was like Subway tuna oh, fish, right. not tuna oh. fish. It's like, all right, I don't even want to know 
what it actually is. Just scrape the bottom of the ocean floor. Well, th- thanks to all the new people who just joined up uh, to listen to this episode, too. Thank you for lurking and creeping. It's always awesome. Stick around in the server. And Kevin, who do we have uh, next week? Oh, is it uh, Wild Spartans next week? Yeah, we have Wild Spartans. That's right. Uh, right. We have um, Nathan Barnett is on on deck. Uh, We have Food for Dogs coming up. We have a lot of great shows and a lot of great stuff after that that we can't announce yet, you know, but we will when we can. Not not quite yet. Soon, though. Soon. The video game developers soon. Soon, right. That's that's when the new features are coming. Very soon. Soon. Yes, exactly. Um, But yeah, until next time, uh, check out check out Palo and um, hang out with us again next Wednesday. TCU night, 6 p.m. Eastern. Until then, see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We'd like to extend a huge thank you and congratulations to the Tots and Dumpster crew who save tiny little lives every month. A tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang. Trevstad, Boromir, Botdogs, Chinchilla, Isaac, Conrad, James, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Baseweight, and Dojangles. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Jen Mefisanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Monaghan, Ryan Kinder, Sheep, and Maruko. Thank you as well to our producer and editor, Ben Webster, and to our media manager, Dan Yosua. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. 